The firmware on these devices is, depending on their age, can be six, seven years old. It's rarely ever been patched, if ever. Hi, I'm Marianne Bohr with Hims. Today I'm joined by John Becky, Chief Marketing Officer at Phosphorus Cybersecurity. And today I'll be talking about how to discover, secure, and manage cyber physical IOMT systems in healthcare environments. And before we start, I want to say thank you to Phosphorus Cybersecurity for sponsoring this podcast. John, thanks for joining us today. You're very welcome, Marianne. It's great to be on today. Thanks for having me. And we'll be talking about the topic that's near and dear to my heart, cybersecurity. So to start off, like I've heard of IOMT devices and IoT devices, but could you please tell us what XIOT devices are and how do they intersect with healthcare? We call it XIOT, which really uh, stands for the Extended Internet of Things, simply because there's an overwhelming number of these devices. I'd say today there's probably over 65 billion of these devices worldwide with literally hundreds of them connecting to the internet uh, almost every minute. Um, So these are exploding in number and there's so many various uh, different types of devices. So extended internet of thing includes things like uh, IOT, which you think of, you know, phones. um, I call it, you know, carpeted areas in, in companies, right? So Smart, you know, smart lighting, cameras, printers, door controllers, um, you know, those types of things. That's kind of enterprise IoT, if you will. Then it includes OT or operational technology. So those are, you know, things like programmable logic controllers, industrial control systems, HMI, smart sensors, kind of ruggedized devices, distributed control systems, and things like SCADA, which you might have heard of SCADA systems. And then, of course, there's IOMT, Internet of Medical Things, and we certainly know what those are, but, you know, often those include life-critical devices like infusion pumps, heart monitors, blood urine analysis, implanted devices, and, you know, all those types of things. And lastly, there's the IIoT, your Industrial Internet of Things. And just think of manufacturing facilities, automotive manufacturing, those types of things. So... Now you can bring in things like industrial robots, right? Um, remote monitors, industrial kind of printers, barcode scanners, all those things, as well as some of the devices you might think in OT. So that that can also include things like programmable logic controllers and those types of. So there's so many, and that's why we call them the extended Internet of Things. What does that mean specifically in a healthcare environment? Yeah. So what's interesting about all of these categories is that it doesn't necessarily mean that one type of XIOT category is not included multiple times in various environments and settings. So in other words, in a medical healthcare environment, obviously you're going to find IOMT devices, but you're also going to find IOT devices and even OT devices, right? And there's a lot of overlap there. And one thing about these devices that's interesting is they all have kind of common characteristics, right? So they're they're kind of uh, for, they have they have kind of certain types of firmware, right? So they're purpose built, um, and they all have very similar types of firmware. They're Linux machines, right? So and you might see 
a camera, for example, um, I see a Linux server, right? And so does the attacker. So they're, they're kind of Linux based. So there's different flavors, Android, BusyBox, real-time operating systems like VxWorks, and they're very similar. They're all, t they speak TCP IP, so they're network connected. And the, the third thing that's common across all these XIoT devices is you can't put endpoint security on them, right? So you can't treat it additional IT endpoint. You, you can't put, say, CrowdStrike or Tanium or a host of other types of agents uh, and endpoint security products on these devices. They don't work like that. So those are common character characteristics across all of these. So you think in terms of a healthcare environment, to your question, they will have IoT devices. So they have loads of cameras, right? Uh, hospitals have a tremendous amount of various types of printers, even ruggedized printers, right? Um, they print the critical devices, though. They'll print your armbands, right? They'll print patient information. Um, and then, of course, they'll have, you know, things like infusion, you know, life-critical devices, infusion pumps, monitors, analysis machines for blood and urine, host of different devices that are life-critical. And then hospitals will also have things that are considered OT, right? Um, they, they may have robotics that are in this, the surgical environments, right? Um, they have various types of these devices uh, that all kind of overlap in a, in a healthcare setting. In fact, another thing that's interesting is in many uh, healthcare environments, they can consider a camera a life-critical device because, for example, you may have a um, kind of an ICU unit or a pediatric ICU unit, which is very controlled. No one can be admitted into that unless they have specific credentials. And a camera may combine with a nurse's badge to allow nurse and doctor access into that ICU unit. So in some cases, a hospital will consider that camera that's right there as as potentially life critical. See what I mean? So it's it's interesting how they all kind of overlap. These XIoT devices are obviously leaps and bounds more prevalent than they were only a few years ago. Now, does this open organizations to more risk? Well, it does. And, and you know, I mean, it's, it's, these devices are tough. They're, they're in a terrible state. Um, I usually just simplify it by saying these XIoT devices are a mess, right? Um, and for those of us who are working in the field of securing these devices, it feels like we're back in 1994 every day, right? Um, it, it, because that kind of is the state of these devices. It's, they're, they're in a state which was kind of the state IT devices were in back in 1994. And what do I mean by that? Well, they're deployed with credentials, default credentials and passwords. So as the credential was put on that device by the manufacturer, in many cases hard-coded in that device, they're deployed with default credentials. Not good considering that all you need to do is go on Google and look up what the default credential is on most any devices and you can find it, right? So that's a problem. Um, the firmware on these devices is, depending on their age, can be six, seven years old. It's rarely ever been patched, if ever, right? So the firmware's very old um, and loaded with critical CVEs. There are loads of extraneous ports and protocols open on these devices. They love to be network connected. So you could have 
telling that open, SSH open, if it's a more sophisticated device, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, HTTPS, FTP, they're, they're just loaded with extraneous ports and protocols that are unnecessary but open. Certificates are often self-signed and expired on these devices. And the other thing that makes it very difficult to try to get a handle on them from a security perspective is that most organizations don't know where these devices are. They don't know how many they have. They really don't know where they are because they're all over and they move and new ones come on. And and so all of that makes the state of them really, you know, not great. And so if you're an attacker, that's a pretty big attack surface that you can attack fairly easily. So for healthcare organizations, you know, we've seen a hundred. So in 2022, there was a 123% increase in attacks on healthcare organizations. And a lot of the things they're targeting are these devices, <clears throat> because why would they not? And they're easy to attack. No one's looking at them. And, you know, the, the, the opportunity to say, launch an attack, uh, uh, you know, from a ransomware gang or something, you know, so you could, you could do it, have an attack like that, or you could have some other type of attack to, to disrupt operations with the device is very, very high. Well, that kind of dovetails into my next question, John. I was going to say, you know, medical devices, they're pretty unique, you know, among office, you know, uh, equipment because they see our most personal information and, you know, they can be moved to another room or another floor at a medical facility. You know, they're always moving and connected to different people. Now, does that make them more complex to work with and to secure than other XIOT devices? Well, it does because you you nailed it there when you talked about kind of the patient information. So, I mean, not only do you have these devices that are in an insecure state and very ripe for potential attack from, from a ransomware perspective or even potentially patient harm, someone could could attack these devices and, and cause some type of disruption or, or harm to that device. So not only do you have that, but you have devices that are full of patient information and PII which you have to protect and there are laws around that. So it makes it very challenging. And, and as you mentioned, these devices move. So think about a lot of the devices that are used, whether they're printers, they're handheld devices, they're, they're, they're on carts. Think of a, you know, think of something like um, an infusion pump, which, you know, almost 90% of infusion pumps, by the way, in healthcare environments are out there working and operating with default credentials. So just think about that. But, but think about, and there's on average two of these at every patient bed. I mean, they're, they're life critical devices. Okay. But they move right They're on carts. They're moving all around. Um, they, they go into a closet and go offline for a second. Then they come on, online for a second. Um, you know, so it's very difficult to monitor these things, um, to know where they are, to know what the state of them is. And like I said, to know whether there's something on them that's being accessed or compromised from a, from a PII perspective, you know, you need to protect that as much as you need to protect the device from general attack anyway. Um, so it just it increases the stakes. You know, I mean, you just I mean, it, you just feel for healthcare organizations. You have something like an infusion pump, which is life critical, but at the same time, it has patient can have patient information on it. It can. You know, and it and it can be ripe for a ransomware attack or a host of different attacks, and you can't see it. You don't know where it is. You can't really easily go fix it. it you know, you can kind of appreciate the the challenge, right? Uh, and and the stakes are pretty high 
for, for organizations uh, in healthcare today. What have healthcare organizations been doing for that until now? And how do they have to change these cybersecurity processes to include IOMT devices? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, like we say every day, we remind people every day that, you know, like I said, that the state of these devices is similar to the state of IT in 1994, right? Uh, and if you're an IT professional, if you're a CISO, a CIO, if you're, um, you know, a host of kind of network um, security operators in these healthcare organizations, that would be un- unreal to think about of your of the state of your IT devices. If I told any of those personas that, you know, uh, 60, 70 plus percent of your devices are deployed with pre- default credentials. 60% of them have critical CVEs, right? Um, on these things are seven, six years old. Certificates are expired. You don't know where they are. No one's watching them. They would think that's impossible and it would be hair on fire to fix it. But when it comes to these devices, they just, it's, it's simply kind of accepted or, or, not addressed because it's hard. So what does everyone need to do? Well, we need to, first of all, start getting visibility of these devices, all of them. And we can do that. Uh, we can literally safely, intelligently, yet actively go find these devices without interrupting them or harming them, even while they're operating. So we need to have visibility of these devices. So healthcare organizations understand all of the devices, where which ones are IoT? What about any OT type devices, right? What about all the IOMT devices? We need to see them and then we need to assess them for risks. What is the state? What firmware version is it on? What, well, what is the actual device down to its model and series, right? Um, and then what's the state of them, right? Is the certificate expired? Are, are there loads of ports and protocols open? Is the certificate default? Is How old is the firmware? What firmware version is on? What CVEs do I have? And then when, when healthcare organizations can understand that, now they can take some intelligent action, right? So now let's go update and start rotating, just like we do all the, uh, all the traditional IT assets, passwords and credentials, right? For, let's, let's have some basic identity access on these devices, right? So we can understand who can access them, what rights do they have? start rotating credentials on these devices and we can do that at scale so do you want to do them on you know thousand of them do you want to do them on five do you want to do you know twenty thousand of them either way we can do that safely we can start looking at firmware right so so that is something we should look at on devices where it's practical and where we can do it we can literally go and they're loaded with cves and they're they're a mess we can go upgrade and downgrade firmware we can start shutting off extraneous ports and protocols, right? If you have these light critical devices and you really only need one primary port to be open for the operation of that device, but yet you have 20 other ports wide open, let's shut those ports down, right? makes it far more hard to attack those devices if we shut those ports down, right? Uh, If the certificates are self-signed or expired, let's update those, right? So all of those things. And then lastly, very critical, immediately these organizations can start monitoring these devices. So, right. So they can maintain state to monitor the devices so they can know if a device is reset, 
if a device is being changed, right? That might be an indicator of some type of internal threat or threat that, that a new device has come online that they didn't even know about, right? Um, they can, to your earlier question, we can know if a device is online or moves, or comes back online, right? So we can monitor them for things like what we call environmental drift. Are they drifting from a secure state, right? Start uh, visualizing and getting uh, understanding in context of these devices uh, uh, on a, almost on a daily basis or how often they want to monitor them. All of those are things that organizations need to begin to do. Um, and you know, the, the good news is we can do that now. It's a very difficult problem. Um, we at, at Phosphorus, we've actually solved that problem um, by being able to talk directly to these devices and their native protocols. So that's what allows for these type of uh, actions and visibility and monitoring. But um, these are the kinds of things we work with healthcare organizations every day to, to help them do. Well, that brings me to the next question, John. What basic steps can healthcare organizations take once they have a comprehensive inventory of their XIOT devices? Yeah. So that, you know, once they have the visibility, which is amazing because it's very difficult today to have, you know, real visibility across all those devices to understand exactly what it is. Like not just we think it might be, you know, an infusion pump and it's actually a camera, but no, we need to know 100% what the device is. Um, so once we have that, we understand its risk posture, then generally what happens is organizations will, will start taking specific actions, right? They will immediately begin to monitor them. Check. That's great. They will begin to address one of the biggest underlying table stake issues around. Let's update default credentials. Let's do Because if you if you're worried about a flaming 10 CVE and you have default credentials, you're looking the wrong way, right? We, we need to fix credentials first before you worry about a CVE. It doesn't matter if you have 10 CVEs that are critical on there if you have default credentials. So will be, they'll begin to address the credential. Let's start rotating credentials um, like we do you know, using industry best practices for our IT assets. So every month, maybe every quarter. Some might want to do it even more frequently than that, but let's begin to rotate with more with the most complex password that device will allow us, right? Um, and then they'll start to look at hardening of the devices. Like I said, let's start shutting off, you know, insecure or extraneous, unneeded ports and protocols. Let's start hardening that device. So they love to talk. Usually, when these devices are plugged in. Every port and protocol is wide open, right? You don't need that. So they'll begin to harden the devices. So if you can do credentials and device hardening, wow, you've come a long way already, believe it or not. And then from there, they'll start to look at selective hatching. So let's start up. Let's now start have a program to, to begin to upgrade firmware on these devices. We can do that very safely, right? Um, address things like certificates. Uh, especially on a lot of these devices that are critical. If certificates are self-signed and insecure, we certainly want to go fix those, right? So that's usually the path that they take. Um, and the other thing that I'll mention that organizations will want to do once they have visibility is begin to think about integrating it into some of the other solutions in IT stack that they have, right? They might want to say, let's integrate this into our next generation firewall or our SIM, right? 
or you know some other type of technology that can benefit from being enriched from the the visibility and information we have on the XIOT side. So they begin to think about you know integrating this and sharing this information among some of their other critical tools, right? So that's generally the path most organizations will take. Sometimes it's different. Some might do one thing before the other, but in general, that's the path that you, that that we'll see once uh, a health organization has achieved visibility of the XIOT estates that they have. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you for sharing your insights. Appreciate it, Marianne. Thanks for having me. And of course, special thanks to Phosphorus Cybersecurity for sponsoring this podcast. Have a fantastic rest of your day. <laughs>